Welcome to the Customer Connection Podcast, a roundtable discussion in which ServiceNow customers, partners, and professional implementers share lessons learned, tools, techniques, and procedures utilized to guide ServiceNow customers through feature adoption and platform implementation. Led by Director of Customer Service Workflows, Jerry Campbell, and co-host by Principal Portfolio Manager, Gareth Millwood. This team will sit down with ServiceNow professionals as they share expert insights for achieving digital transformation and speed to market business value for their ServiceNow platform. This is your customer connection. Good morning, good afternoon, and good day, wherever you are. And thank you for listening to the Customer Connection Podcast, where we help you get your ServiceNow projects going in the right direction fast. I am the Director of Creator, Customer, and Industry Workflows, Leading Practices, and I'm here along with my portfolio manager, Shana Greer. Today, our guest is Mark Tegnati. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thanks for having me on, Shane and Jerry. Appreciate it. Awesome. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your current position and your ServiceNow journey. I'm the Senior Director for Creator Workflows Product Success. So we spend uh, a lot of our time working with customers around helping them put application uh, development programs in place, including citizen development. I'm approaching my five-year anniversary with ServiceNow. I've been in the app engine, automation engine space the entire time that I've been here. And I just love it. Love working with customers. Awesome. That's awesome. And before we go on, Mark, we're going to have some rules of engagement because as you can see in my background, I was in the military and there's a lot of acronyms thrown around. But what I learned since joining ServiceNow, they have even more than the military. So that's a true story. So we want to be acronym free and we call this the limit of the jargon jar. And at the end of the show, we're going to count up and see how much jargon you put out there for everybody to hear. And we may have you have a small donation to the jargon jar. Are you cool with that? Yeah, I'm completely cool with that. And it's probably going to cost me money because I've got 30 years in enterprise IT and we got our own fair share of jargon. So it's all good. There you go. There you go. So let's start off with some just icebreaker questions to get you warmed up, get the vocal cords loose, and we'll get this started. What's a fact about you that no one would else would guess? So I still have in my possession every cell phone I've ever owned. From a Motorola StarTac to a BlackBerry to a series of iPhones. I find it fascinating to look at how the technology has evolved over a very, very long period of time. So That's cool. You could say I have hoarding issues. You didn't have the razor flip phone, did you? You had that razor? I did have a razor, so I do have a razor as well. The dream is ultimately to put that all up in some sort of display that I can put up in my basement. But right now, they're just sitting in a box in my office. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I guess I should have thought about that long ago, but yeah, that is cool. What three words best describe you? Wow. I think humor. I think focused. I think passionate would be the three. All those are great words. And uh, I've only been working with you for a short time, but they all three describe you to a T. <laughs> They're calling you. And I love the part about passion because you're passionate. I am indeed. You get into it and I love it. Love it. So we talked about the cell phones and those things. If you had a time machine, where would you go? 
And what would you do when you were there? That's a really tough question. But if I stuck with the whole technology theme, right? Because that's my whole life, really. I would go back to the garage where Wozniak and Jobs built the first Apple One computer. Because that, honestly, that launched my tech career very, very many years ago. So that's what I would do. That would be cool. Shana, where would you go? That's a really good question. I don't know, actually. My favorite place is Bali. I probably would go to Bali to just eat all the food. That's cool. That's good. That is cool. (laughs) Not as good as going back to Wozniak and Steve Jobs. I've been a nerd for a long time, Shana. A long, long, long. <laughs> so you talked about your passion and how you approached your job and stuff. So what is your passion about? What makes you so passionate about what you do? So what I love about product success in general is that we work with customers, right? That our job is to help customers adopt the products they license for us. And what I particularly like about creator workflows or the space that my team is in is ours is about custom app dev, right? So app engine, automation engine for integrations. It's just very rewarding to help customers be successful. And it is really what gets me up in the day excited to go to work. That's cool. That's cool. We're going to jump right into this now. You started talking a little bit app engine development and creator workflows. So give us a little bit more in depth about your role within the creator workflow space and what products do you oversee in your current role and responsibility? There's really three buckets of products that we oversee. And if you think about it, most of our products are really tools where a lot of ServiceNow products are out of the box products that you configure. What we provide is a set of tools that customers can then use to build custom apps or to integrate to external systems or, again, whether it's an integration or using a bot type of capability. Basically, we support all the App Engine tooling, right? So that's App Engine Studio, App Engine Management Center, all the different builders, Flow Designer, I mean, you you name it. We support Automation Engine, right? So that is the integration hub. So that's the integrations, custom integrations, pre-build integrations, and we support RPA hubs, so our robotics process automation tooling for the ability to have attended and unattended bots, automation center, which lets you manage all of that, the Gen AI capabilities that are just coming out here in a couple of days that you can use within those toolings. The third bucket we support is what we call platform foundations, but that's largely the security tooling. So it's our vault capabilities, it's encryption, it's code signing, it's data anonymization. Ours is a world of tools and helping customers do things with those tools. We engage with customers in a bunch of different ways. It may be enablement sessions around a certain tool. We also do a lot of workshops, particularly around helping customers figure out how to do application development on ServiceNow, and particularly application development as it extends outside of the core ServiceNow team. So traditionally, customers have built custom apps on ServiceNow and they've done it and they kept it contained within their ServiceNow team. But as people saw the power of the workflow capabilities, that pool of developers started to expand. And what we've learned from working with customers is a way to do that to be successful. And there's some ways you can approach that to make it a bit more challenging. A big driver of that is this concept of citizen development, which has come up in probably the last five or six years. Spent a lot of time running workshops with customers around citizen development. 
Great. You rolled right into my next question. If you can just tell us a little bit more about the Citizen Developer Program. What is it? And what is a citizen developer? Let's start with what a citizen developer is, because that definition, not only does it vary across the technology industry, it varies within our customers. And I think traditionally, when somebody says citizen developer, they're thinking about somebody that has no coding skills or very, very early in their tech skills in building applications. And we certainly have customers that do that. But when most of our customers, the loose definition of citizen developer is, I'm allowing folks outside of that core service now team, outside of my core set of service now developers to build applications on the platform. We've got one customer that built an application to track the uptime of their ATMs. We've got one that did their executive lunch menu. We've got the gamut of apps span a very broad range. But really, at the end of the day, it's about developers of different skill sets building things on the platform that are not part of the core team which then opens up that ServiceNow platform owner. And Jerry, I know you can relate to this. The concern, are these developers going to run amok in my platform? Are they going to impact my performance? Are they going to create a mess? And the answer is, well, if you don't approach it properly, it can. And so one of the things that we do is we help customers through that process of, hey, you're going to expand your pool of developers. You're going to get the benefit of more developers. You're going to get the benefit of empowering your business units. How do you do that in a way that is safe and secure and as low of a burden to that centralized team as possible? One follow-up question for Mark. You have to be a technical developer to uh, get started on within the program. What skills do you need to come with in order to be able to get started? That's an excellent question. So the, the answer is no, you don't. You really don't because we've spent a lot of time building tools and capabilities that are really truly no-code tools and capabilities. And that's App Engine Studio and some of the new stuff that's coming out. So you really don't have to be a technical individual. That said, what we do see with most of our customers that the place they start are folks that are not developers by trade or training. It's not their job, but they do have a fundamental understanding of technology, right? They understand what a workflow is, not, not in a super technical way. Even when you're a pro developer on us, you're not writing code, right? You are, you're using our builders. Folks that have a technical mindset and a desire to build applications tend to be uh, the folks that are most successful on the platform. And one of the things we help customers do is figure out how do you find those people? How do you recruit them? How do you get them trained? We've worked with, gosh, over a hundred customers around their development programs. And we've learned as much from them as they've learned from us, what works well and what doesn't, right? The pitfalls to avoid, if you will. ServiceNow has their app engine, that tool, right? So how does that differ to other no-code systems out there? And how does that help our customers? That's also a great question. So the ones that we see most often in our customers is Microsoft's Power Apps, Salesforce to an extent, Ega, and a few others. But I think really the one we see the most of is, is Power Apps. And I would say that each has its fit within the enterprise. So it's really a coexistence, not a compete for us. Where we really shine is we have great governance tools for those low-code apps that are being built. So whether it is the management of the apps, whether it is the development of the apps and the testing and the progression, you know, from a dev environment to a production environment, that's really the advantage that ServiceNow has in terms of building custom apps. And it's that capability that gives the platform owners management comfort that opening up a world of citizen development 
isn't just opening up a whole box of hurt, so to speak, for the customer. So that's our big, that's our big advantage. And, and then we really have a methodology that we take customers through that has sort of four primary steps to it that is as much about the process as it is about the tooling and helping them think through what it means to expand this pool of developers. How long have we been running the Citizen Developer Program? And if you can also answer, what are some of the benefits derived from the program? Gosh, that's a great question. I would say at least three years, probably. We've been doing something around this, right? The program, it was born out of just watching what customers were doing, right? And saying, oh, this is great. Other customers should do it. It then morphed into a series of sort of enablement sessions and Then that evolved into this four-part workshop series that we do, which is really our citizen development program. So yeah, I'd say it's about three years. We've been very focused. Customers have been doing it longer than that. And customers have been building custom apps on ServiceNow since well before I joined. And it's always amazing the creativity that they have. But you ask about the benefits of distributing development outside of the core team. It's a couple of things. So one is the primary motivation for a lot of customers is have too much work for my core team, right? I need additional capacity. I need to draw down on this backlog that I have. And one way I can do that is to put the work out into the departments that are requesting it. I think the the second benefit is as you empower the business units, right, to build their own applications, you see a lot of creativity and agility that come from that, right? They're no longer coming back to a centralized team to say, hey, can I do this? And trying to explain it to them, they do it right? And they do it themselves. And so the third one is, and this is like many things, right? So this is a minority of the time, but when it happens, it's amazing. Crazy innovation comes from letting the people that actually have to do the job, build the application that they're going to use to do the job. Most of the stuff that they're doing is pretty straightforward workflows, but every once in a while, like, and we're just blown away by what some of these citizen developers create. And then I think the last thing is for the citizen developer themselves, the benefit is they learn a new skill. And it's a marketable skill, right? It really is a win-win situation for the customer, the company, and for the employees. That's really interesting. Over the last three years, how have you seen different industries implement the citizen developer program, like private versus government companies? It, yeah, it's a great question. It's interesting. We see a lot of interest in citizen development in industries I wouldn't a thought that we'd be interested in ex- extending development outside the core team. And that's in financial services. One of our largest citizen development programs, which has pushing a thousand citizen developers headed to 3000 is a large federal bank in Brazil, right? They've built almost 200 apps. It is built into their actually quarterly review process in terms of really pushing the citizen development program. I wouldn't have expected that because it's a regulated industry, but we have other financial services companies doing that too. And I think it is because they have a large population of knowledge workers where the kinds of workflow capabilities we bring to the table have huge benefit for those folks when they're relatively comfortable with technology. The other is we've done, gosh, a half dozen workshops and programs with governmental agencies. I think that one is largely driven by the capacity challenges that they have, right? The backlogs, the, I got to wait a year to get this very relatively simple application done. And so they've really embraced it as well at least the federal government agencies that we work with a lot, they do a pretty good job of sharing those best practices with each other. But those aren't the only ones. Uh, one of my very favorite customers that started out with a distributed development program, then a distributed development program, system development program is General Mills. And I can mention them by name because they were on stage at Knowledge, but 
they make food. And they have a very well-designed, well-run citizen development program. So it's all industries, even healthcare. So that's cool. What are some of the top priorities that these customers are looking to do when they implement these citizen development programs? What are some of their top priorities then as they're looking for business objectives? I think a lot of the benefit comes in automating paper-based or manual workflows or Excel-based workflows. Excel is the world's most popular database, unless you can do lots of macros and whatnot. I think it is those kinds of applications that lend themselves to, to citizen development. And then you get the benefits that we talked about a minute ago. I would say that the other area that customers are seeing a lot of benefit out of these types of programs is replacing legacy applications. I, mean, I still work with customers that are running Lotus Notes. For a significant portion of the business application infrastructure, those applications were built by the earlier version of citizen developers, right? Because it's pretty easy to do. And replacing those capabilities with stuff that's built on service now is another big driver and big benefit. It's interesting as we see the progression of citizen development out into the folks who are not tech technologists by job title or by nature, that we're seeing a lot more of just automating, you know, simple service request type stuff, request fulfill kinds of things. So a lot of citizen development programs simply start with the what we call the democratization of the service catalog. I need a simple way for this large population of folks to request something from me. So I'm going to recreate a service catalog item. So I think those are the lots of other reasons we see. Like I said, the creativity never ceases to inspire, never stops inspiring me. But I think those are probably the big reasons. Well, that's cool. That's cool. So I'm going to throw another one at you, Mark. Um, and I was just thinking about this as you talk about innovation, right? And we get right. generative AI. How does that come into play with citizen developers? Or does it help them? It's very much an evolving space, right? On the 29th of September, we're about to release Now Assist for Creator, which this first capability is a text-to-code capability. That one's really probably geared a little bit more towards the pro developer. It's the ability to go in and describe some code you need within an application, describe it in plain English, so to speak, and it, it generates that code for you. You can drop it into your application. But where we're going with that is the ability to describe a whole application in plain English and, and have the platform generate that for you, right? And that's not too far off, right? Can't say when or how yet, say Farber and whatnot. But if you think about it, like that ability opens up development to a whole new population of folks, right? And these technologies are evolving very quickly. So the first version of it, you're still probably going to have to understand things a little bit like data storage and workflows and whatnot. But I could see not too far down the road, the ability just to describe your application in plain English and ServiceNow just generates it for you. And maybe you tweak it a little bit, but super powerful stuff. Like I've been doing this for 30 actually 30 plus years. And this is one of the more transformative things I've seen in all that time. That's awesome. Mark, thank you so much for all that stuff. And clearly you're passionate about what you do in the citizen developer program. But as I promised, jargon, we have to run down. And so we'll give you, <laughs> I'll spit out a couple of them and then we'll ding you and we can collect after the show. But the first one that I ran across is RPA. <laughs> uh, so RPA stands for Robotic process automation. And what does that mean? So that so many times we want to create a, an integration with an external system. And many of those systems have something we can already connect through an application programming interface before you ding me on that one, right? 
So I can create essentially a system-to-system connection, if you will. But some of these older systems or some of these systems that have certain security set around it, you, you basically have to simulate a human, right, in the form of a bot, a robot, right, that is interacting with that system. So essentially with RPA, you are, you are, we've given you the tools to create that bot to then go interact with that system and get the information that you need or put the information that you need into it. There are two types of bots because you're probably going to hit me on this a little bit. One is what's called an unassisted bot, so it runs without a human overseeing it. The second is what's called an assisted bot. So if you think about a call center agent that's trying to interact with one of these legacy systems, they're actually watching what the bot's doing, but the bot is essentially doing the work. So RPA is robotics process automation. There you go. That's awesome. Then the other one I hit you up with is ATM. Automated telling machine. It was a re- reference to a bank. They built a custom app to track the servicing of their ATM network. Sorry. That was easy. That was easy. Shannon, did you catch any? No, I missed the ATM. I did catch the RPA, but I think you said it so quickly that it was missed. If there's one thing I've learned, if you just use the acronyms really fast, the, the people just think you know what they're talking about. Just move on through. How do your career built on that, by the way? All right, Mark, man, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Before we really get out of here, I want you to tell me what's the biggest takeaway you hope our listeners learn about the citizen development program? That you can do it. That not only can you do it, customers, other customers before you in a bunch of different industries have done this successfully and are getting real benefits out of it. It just takes a bit of little planning and forethought when you go into the process, but you can absolutely do this citizen development thing, uh, and it'll just get easier over time. Yeah, that's great. That's powerful. And also, where can they learn more about citizen development programs? Probably the best place to do it is if you go to community.servicenow.com. Yeah, there's a product hub that you can search for, and we actually have a citizen development center of excellence community that takes you through the whole journey and actually talks about the workshops as well. Mark Tegnati, thank you so much, sir. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. And for our customers, if you have questions or comments for us, our guests, please email us at customerconnection, that's one word, at servicenow.com. Thank you for listening to the Customer Connection Podcast, where we provide implementation insights from the biggest ServiceNow customers, influencers, and partners. Please join us in our next episode as we will provide more expert insight and feature knowledge to help expedite your business value of your ServiceNow platform. This is your customer connection.